0: Hi, I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time.
1: Unfortunately, our episode with Tom Matthews is going to have to be pushed back a bit due to technical difficulties. So instead, we're thrilled to announce that we have Alex Vincent, aka Andy Barkley from the Child's Play series here with us to get high and talk about the upcoming show Chucky. Chucky. He's going to spill his guts to us in an exclusive interview. All that and more today on High on Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one.
0: Now it's time to get the screening room. Well, now we're on to episode four, which that'll be out this Thursday. But uh, this episode, there was no cheeks clapping, but we did see the result of what happened to Sheamus getting clapped last week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there actually was no cheeks clapping. I was very surprised, you know, because Slasher is very much the Canadian version of American Horror Story and American Horror Story always sexes it up. So that's kind of why Slasher does it. So I understand it. But uh, I got to admit, you know, like, I'm not a prude in any way, but it is nice to be able to watch an episode and not have some awkward sex scene. I mean, it does get a little, a little old sometimes.
0: David Cronenberg, week by week, is just more of a fucking asshole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bro, when it shows, okay, so, so there's, a, there's a flashback to you listeners out there. Uh, when you see it, there's a flashback of him before he has his white hair, and I'm telling you, Vince McMahon from the early 2000s or late 90s when I even had an action figure of him where he had the dark hair and the gray suit this dude is like the embodiment of Vince McMahon in the horror genre
0: and way more ruthless
1: I mean he's like Vince McMahon behind the scenes ruthless
0: I I don't know that Vince <laughs> could be quite this ruthless
1: um yeah but uh but the uh the tension is ever high in this episode um Every week, the tension's just getting higher and higher, and uh, you're learning more and more about these people, you know, the, uh, the leads of the show, and uh, there's, there's really not too much that we could say other than the fact that, you know, people are really starting to show their true colors, and John and I's prediction of who we think the killer is going to be, uh, I don't really know, John, what should we say?
0: Uh, I, yeah, I'd say, say our prediction got buried this week. I mean, we were definitely wrong. So after this episode, uh, you should know who we think was the killer
1: time to reassess and to figure out who we think it is now.
0: (laughs) I don't think, I don't think we're becoming detectives anytime soon. It seems like
1: no, definitely not. Absolutely. Absolutely not. We wouldn't pass the drug test.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true. So, uh, I mean, like, like Drew said, there's not a whole lot we could say. You're just gonna have to watch this one for yourself, and uh, I guess now you're on your own. Uh, the, the, this was the end of the screeners we had from Shutter, so uh, we'll we'll just be like the rest of you people and just watching every week when the episode comes out.
1: Yeah, after this, uh, after this week, we're uh, up to speed with all of you. We'll be watching it when you do uh, every Thursday on Shutter. Uh, well, I'm ready to get baked, so, uh, well, more baked anyway. (laughs) Uh, Let's get into Strain Wreck. Now it's time for Strain Wreck, the segment where John and I discuss which strain we're getting wrecked on in each episode. Today, we're smoking Jersey 33 in honor of our guest, Alex Vincent, who's from New Jersey. He's an East Coast guy like us. This is a hybrid strain. And it has long-lasting effects of fucking you up, John. Check it out.
0: Damn, that shit smells good. It's like it's got purple in it, but uh, it's almost like it's black. Mm-hmm. It and, like and then mixed black. with the orange, it really makes it look even darker.
1: Yeah, and you can. It just smells like gas. Like it, it smells good, but it smells harsh.
0: Does it smell like Old Spice, though?
1: Definitely <laughs> not. Neither did fucking.
0: I <laughs> still did. stand by it. That smelled like Old Spice. <laughs>
1: In any case, uh, this strain is new, and uh, it's pretty much crossed of two unknown strains, but we do know that it's a hybrid, and uh, after uh, smoking a bit of it, I do know that it fucks you up, so uh, (laughs) I'm going to spark us up, Uh, John. What's going on this week in horror history, brother?
2: This week in horror history
0: all right so this week uh your next debuted in 2011 at the toronto international film festival Uh, made its way to theaters in 2013 uh drew you and i actually uh saw it in 2013 in the theaters uh what are your thoughts on it
1: uh yeah you know uh ever since we saw it you know we both thought it was it was pretty damn good Uh, i really like it it's uh I mean, I remember when it first came out, everybody was saying that it, like, reinvented the home invasion film. And that's why, like, you know, you get some people that shit on it because they're like, you know, this didn't reinvent the home invasion film. And I, I 100% agree with that. I don't know where it got the the reputation of reinventing the home invasion film, but I think what it did do was it made the home invasion film fun again. And uh, besides The Strangers, it was the best home invasion film in a long time.
0: I think maybe it's because uh, you, have, you have the twist as, you know... Our final girl isn't so, uh, she isn't so helpless. I think that's maybe why people think of it as being reinvented. I just think maybe not reinvented, but it was a twist on the home invasion. You have a final girl who all her life has been prepared to deal with a situation like this, and it was an interesting twist. Uh, Nicole really liked the movie, which I was surprised because, I mean, it's home invasion slash slash slasher. I don't know if you could say it that way. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, that that's what she liked about it as well, and it has uh, Delaware's own Ty West in it.
1: Yeah, and it's also directed by uh, Adam Wingard of uh, Godzilla vs Kong fame. You know, it's good to see. Never heard of that movie. <laughs> it's good to see you know someone like Adam Wingard when you see a dude who's used to directing uh indie horror films actually make it and to see that this dude's directing gods of the versus kong which was a fucking great movie i've seen that movie like probably 15 times with my son no lie it's probably been been 15 times or more and uh i mean it's it's dumb fun but he did it right it's exactly what everybody wanted and uh, i'm not going to go on about gvk that's not what it's about but i just want to take a second to say you know congratulations to adam wingard because from someone who started off making low budget horror films to now directing like the, the movie that broke the COVID box office record, that's friggin' awesome, man. Like, that's really badass. Um, but, yeah, the one thing that I wanted to bring up about uh Your Next, though, is that this film brought Barbara Crampton back. And uh, if there's... Hell yeah! <laughs> if there's nothing else to take away from the film, uh, we have to appreciate it for giving Barbara Crampton a career resurgence. Uh, Adam wrote the role for her and talked her out of retirement. She had dedicated herself to her family at that time because roles have dried up for her. There was no roles at the time, <clears throat> but uh Adam you know worked some magic, and since then, Barbara is on fire with good movies. We are still here is fucking amazing. You've seen we are still here,
0: right? yeah, I saw it with you it's it's been a while,
1: and uh yeah, anyway, you know yeah, uh, your next is uh, a really good movie and a solid home invasion flick uh. Uh, I love when people say that shit is overhyped because uh, that's said about a lot of a a lot of films. Um, And it was said a lot about this film when it came out due to the great reviews that it got, you know. Um, But sometimes the hype is real and uh, it's there for a reason because the movie is actually good. You know, think of The Dark Knight, for an example.
0: Yeah. And I really liked uh, I feel like there was a lot of twists to it for a home invasion movie. And I really I really feel like the person that stood out with their acting and it was uh, Joe Swansburg. I thought he did an amazing job in that movie. I
1: would agree with that, definitely.
0: But yeah, I I also like the design of the three masks they had. Um, I thought that was well done. And uh, I was looking here, I, the movie was only made for a million dollars. That was the entire budget for it. And it, I mean, it did. And then I mean, the return as they did twenty six point nine million at the box office for a movie from Lionsgate. That's not Saul. That's pretty good.
1: And it's almost, I mean, I, I guess because, you know, like, that story's concluded, but with that type of uh, with that type of outcome at the box office, it makes you wonder why there isn't more your next movies. I mean, it's not like it has to even be the same family. I mean, think of, like, Hostel, for example. Like, Hostel 3 had nothing to do with Eli Roth or anything. It's just a whole new scenario, all new people. Like, with that type of turnaround, I'm surprised there wasn't a cash-in of, like, straight-to-video like sequels.
0: Um... Was Hostile 2 done by Eli Roth? Was yeah,
1: he did, he did one, 1 and 2, and then okay. like just 3 just came out Like out of nowhere. I heard nothing about it, and then all of a sudden it was like a red box in a Walmart that I saw it for rent. I'm like, what the fuck? And I looked it up, and uh, I was like, okay, it has absolutely nothing to do with him, and obviously that's why a lot of people haven't heard of it. It just died. Like so They tried to keep the series going, and it just died. It should have died after the first one. I didn't like the first one.
0: I like the first one, but that came out right around the time of Saw and... I had a lot of people that were telling me that Hostel was better than Saw, and I, I I can't agree with that. I don't I don't dislike Hostel. I think as much as you do. Um, I would even argue Hostel Two's better than the first one.
1: I I agree. I like Hostel Two more than the first one as well. Um, my problem with Hostel is that uh, I just I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stickler for story and content. And I just feel that, like, you know, Hostel was just... It was just nothing but tits and partying for, like, the first, like, 40 minutes. And then people just getting brutally murdered. I didn't give a shit about anybody. I didn't care. Like, it was just... I felt like it was just gore. I felt like it was just, like, oh, let's be brutal. And it's, like, I am fine with the brutality. I'm fine with the gore. But the acting and the silly lot, the dialogue was just terrible. It's just, like, there was so much about the movie that I didn't like. And I just feel that... (sighs) I respect Eli Roth as a horror fan. Nobody's questioning his horror knowledge or his horror fandom. That's legit. But I really do feel like Quentin Tarantino liking Hostel and putting his quote on the movie—that's what sold it. I don't feel that that movie would have done nearly as well as it did if it wasn't for his name on the poster or on the Blu-ray or DVD.
0: Yeah, I think uh we got a little bit away from our horror history here. But uh main takeaway: your next great movie.
1: Yeah, back to it. Yeah, your next uh, great movie. And um, yeah, uh, check out Adam Wingard if you uh, haven't or if you're not familiar with his stuff. Check him out. Uh, he is doing the Thundercats movie, I believe, next. So that should be awesome. If you know he's the dude who did Godzilla versus Kong, I have a feeling that's going to be a fun one.
0: And uh, now it's time to get the Puff Puff ass, the segment where Drew and I answer questions that you send us through Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at High on Horror Four Twenty, and through email. At high on horror four twenty at gmail.com.
1: I'll start us off here with a question from Jade from Lincoln, Nebraska. She asks. You guys said you're not fans of the A Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Nope. I personally loved it and think that Jackie Earl Haley did a fantastic job. Who would you cast as Freddy in another remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street? Keep up the great work. Loving the podcast. Jade. Uh, Okay, to start, uh, thank you for the compliments and for listening, Jade. Uh, And as far as Jackie Earl Haley goes and the recasting of him, I think Kevin Bacon would be a great Freddy. I actually talked to Robert England about this at a convention, and he agreed with me. Or we agreed with each other, rather. Um, But Kevin Bacon has the facial structure, the build, and he can act his ass off. I love Kevin Bacon. Uh, A Stir of Echoes is such an amazing movie, and it is so overlooked that it's a sin. He does horror very well when he does horror. Um, So yeah, my answer is The Bacon. However, I will say, uh, Jade, to correct you know what you said. Um, I never had a problem with Jackie Earl Haley's Freddie. I think he did a great job, and I and I agree that he's a skilled actor. It wasn't his performance; it was the story, and it seemed the whole movie just seemed half-assed and rushed, and it just seemed like it just it just seemed half-assed and rushed, and they weren't trying to make it a legendary film like they should have to honor its predecessor. I disliked the movie as a whole. But Jackie did do a good job, although I don't like his makeup, but that's not his fault.
0: Yeah, that makeup was pretty god-awful. Uh, If I had to pick somebody, um, I mean, he just recently played another horror icon, but I think Bill Skarsgård would be a good choice. Mm.
1: Oh, that is a good one. That is a really good one.
0: I feel like kind of with that facial structure, I feel like he and would be... And he's a be... very
1: physical actor. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, th- absolutely. I, th- I think he'd be good for it. Um... Later. The, later. Yep. Uh, yep. There you go. Hey. Jesus! Stop interrupting me. <laughs> um. Ah. Damn. Where was I? Uh, another one. This one might might be an awful off the wall, but I just think what he could bring to the character, not necessarily the physicality part of it. Willem Dafoe. I feel like he's good at just playing like fucking out there people
1: he would look fucking creepy as freddie dude he's too old like i don't mean that as disrespect, but somebody that old looking with the Freddy makeup and he's already weird enough looking like i know that he would be sinister he'd probably be creepy as hell looking i would like to see that photoshopped i'd like to see somebody make that happen that would be crazy my his age makes me question that but i do feel like he would make a creepy ass look at freddie
0: <laughs> or uh here's an idea tell me what you think robert england
1: he just keeps the part, nobody else fucks with it. I'm cool with that.
0: I mean, that's the way it should have went.
1: I, I agree. I think that they should just make one more Freddy movie. And uh again, at the convention that I was at, uh, Robert England had said that he was down for playing Freddy at least one more time. I think that, like, to combat the negative aftermath of the remake, they need to do another Freddy movie with Robert as freddy where they really kill him off do like another like freddy's dead but like a not one that doesn't suck and really end it and then don't remake it and let it go
0: you hear that nicole a freddy's dead that doesn't suck <laughs> uh moving on here uh dan from philadelphia pa uh, speaking of philly pa kevin bacon's from philly um he wanted to know if there was any movies that uh Made us cry. Horror movies, horror movie wise, or uh, or uh, affected us. I will say it's not a new one, but I've always said Alex Vincent playing Andy in the mental facility when they put him in there. He does such a tremendous job that I do feel bad. Like this kid's really going through it. Um, Movies that really made me sad, though. Um, I mean, there was a. Uh, I would have to say um, Rob Zombie's Halloween, probably. (laughs) Uh, That made me sad, angry, all kinds of emotions. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, I won't get off onto another tangent about how fucking terrible that movie is. But, uh, Drew, you got it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, um, I would have to say it's the 2007 Spanish horror film, The Orphanage. I didn't cry at that movie. Um, I haven't cried at a movie since Terminator 2. (laughs) but um but um uh, yeah i would say the orphanage because that movie like when you find out the twist of the movie um it's a ghost story and when you find out the twist it's this woman looking for her lost son and uh when you find out the twist of the movie the movie's very like scary and then when you realize what's going on and actually you actually kind of realize that everything wasn't scary and that like it just turns into like a really sweet sad story of loss and uh it does It didn't choke me up, but that was like the most recent film that I can think of or remember that uh, had an effect on me, where I actually thought, like, "Damn, this is pretty fucking sad."
0: Yeah, I can't off the top of my head really think of anything recent, uh, but that is a good choice, and uh, I think I'll still stick with Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> <now>.
1: <laughs> All right, enough of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't forget to write in your questions to us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at High on Horror Four Twenty or email us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com the messages have been blowing up lately and we appreciate it write us, we'd love to hear from you uh, now it's time to get into our review slash discussion of this week's films Child's Play and Child's Play 2
0: Starting out with Child's Play 1, we start out with the Lakeshore Strangler, Charles Lee Ray, played by Brad Dourif, being tracked down by Detective Mike Norris, who's played by Fright Night's own Chris Sarandon, to a toy warehouse. As Ray bleeds out, he recites a voodoo spell on a good guy doll next to him. After that, we flash forward to Andy Barkley's birthday, played by today's guest, Alex Vinson. All Andy wants is a good guy doll. His mother, played by Katherine Hicks, Recently lost her husband and is working a retail job and is unable to afford the doll for Andy. While at work, she gets a tip on a cheap doll she meets some grungy-ass-looking street peddler selling it on the low. <laughs> anyway, Andy's being babysat by his mom's friend and co-worker Maggie, played by Dina Mor- Manoff. She sends Andy to bed but finds the TV on and his good guy doll who's named Chucky in front of it watching the news about the previous night's shootout. Maggie confronts Andy for putting Chucky in front of the TV. He swears it wasn't him. Maggie finds Chucky back in front of the TV once again watching the news. She turns it off and goes back to the kitchen. She puts a dish away and then turns around to catch a fucking hammer to the fucking face. She goes flying out the window to her death. And then Mike Norrison's investigating the scene and they notice good guy's shoe prints on the counter. They also match the shoes Andy's wearing. Later that night, Andy delivers his best line in the movie. Chucky said Aunt Maggie was a real bitch and got what she deserved. Did the voodoo spell work? Is Charles Lee Ray Chucky or is Andy seen one too many news reports?
1: <laughs> well, one thing that I wanted to mention was that uh? you said he was a dingy or grungy-ass street peddler. He's, For sure. He's a uh, street peddler in the street and a freak in the sheet.
0: <laughs> oh, that dude, that dude needs at least three bass.
1: <laughs> well, uh... Yeah, of all the killer doll toys, of, of, of all of the killer doll movies, I'm sorry, of all of the killer doll movies, uh, clearly Child's Play and uh, the sequel take the cake. Um, Child's Play, you know, uh, you had mentioned that uh, Chris Saranda was from Fright Night, and uh, actually Child's Play was also directed by Tom Holland who directed Fright Night, and Fright Night was Tom Holland's first movie, actually. Uh, he had uh, penned the script for Psycho 2, and due to the success of that, that got him the director's his first director's uh, shot, and uh, he did Fright Night. And then here we are a few years later, he did Child's Play, which was another hit and another success. Uh, one thing that I want to mention... The one scene in this movie that messed me up as a kid, John, me and you have talked about this movie so many times, but the one scene that messed me up was uh, the Eddie Caputo scene. This scene where Andy gets on the bus with the doll with Chucky yeah, yeah. and uh, he goes to the hotel or not. To, it's like a rundown building. It's not a hotel.
2: It's, just like, <laughs> it's <laughs> like a
1: crack house. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, literally it's a crack house. But the thing is, is because like that made the rest of the movie so dreadful for me because it didn't show you Chucky really, it didn't show you Chucky. It just showed you like his hand turned on the oven. So like after you see that scene, You know, like, after I saw that scene, that made me scared shitless because I was like, yo, it's really going to fucking show this doll move. Like, it's really going to show, like, this doll is real. Like, this is really happening. That's when you realize that it's not Andy. And that's when you realize, like, holy shit, like, this doll is alive. And, like, this is crazy, you know? And the dude who played, you know, Eddie Caputo, I mean... Chucky, the, the Lakeshore Strangler, he just gets his goddamn revenge on that dude. You know, Eddie Caputo, played by uh, Neil Guintoli. Uh, he definitely meets a nasty demise as Chucky just blows his house up. I mean, or the crack house, as you would say. Just <laughs> blows that crack house to shit.
0: Yeah, that and uh, the voodoo doll scene.
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that one, that one's brutal. That, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's once you've broken the threshold of, oh, shit, like Chucky is alive. Then they hit you with that scene, and that's the shit that you're dreading.
0: And the counterpart is Alex Vincent. I mean, he, he is a child in the movie, but he just... It's just so childlike and innocent that you just feel so bad for him. It's like... He's just taking Chucky to go help commit these murders. He doesn't know what's actually going on. Like, when, uh, what was the line? Uh, Chucky, I'm going to take a leak. You stay here. And then he goes and murders Eddie Caputo.
1: I mean, here's one thing that I always wanted to bring up. And I mean, I know, like, you could defend Andy Barkley all you want. He was just a kid. He was impressionable. But regardless of if things worked out between him and Chucky or not, Andy Barkley is an accessory to murder. He isn't an accessory <laughs> yeah. to a lot of murder.
0: That's true. I mean, I just want to know what kid has a doll that starts talking to him and like, hey, bring me on the bus or tells you your babysitter was a real bitch and that she deserved to die and you just go, okay, and just nonchalantly say it to your mom.
1: I mean, the other thing is that uh, I, I've always got, I've never, you know, it's never been said, but I think it's kind of hinted at that they might've had more privilege. You know, they might've been more wealthy when the dad was around, when Andy's dad was around and everything, um, because you are know, you're kind of getting the, the, The vibe that you know they're they're just barely making it now and uh and uh the one thing that I always wondered was like you know why would you let a doll just talk you into going into a crack house like Eddie Caputo's house and that's where like if you grew up like I did if you grew up in the ghetto and you have a doll first of all I don't know why I'm listening to it talk to me (laughs) second of all if it's leading me to a crack house I would know no absolutely not so like andy must have been completely like you know just totally naive and probably came from like a better part and like didn't know any better you know what i mean
0: yeah and i guess i guess the explanation could be is that he he tells his mom that chucky says he was sent from his dad in heaven but i mean still that's a doll like telling you that it's still a little weird
1: yeah i i agree i think that uh to a degree andy followed chucky's i mean Yeah, he things turn out where Andy and Chucky obviously, you know, come to uh, be at opposite ends, and it's like a face-off. Well, it's not really a face-off between the two of them, because Andy has like his mom and uh, Mike Norris, and Mike Norris is a cop buddy. uh, Don't know the... Didn't do my research on that one. Sorry about that, Dave. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's Andy against Chucky at the end. But I do feel that Andy let things go on a, he let he let the murders and string of things happen and go on a little too long before he decided, no, let's let's fight against Chucky.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there there is there is a lot of death that he is responsible for. But at uh, the end, I mean, he he did try to fight him, and I still say the line it makes. There's two lines from Chucky that make me just totally laugh from this one. And that's the one when he, Andy's creeping through the house and he just pops up and goes, batters up! And just <laughs> clocks him in the head. And just knocks him unconscious. And the other one is when they're in the elevator and the lady's like, that's an ugly doll. And then you just hear him, and you can barely hear it, but as he's going up the elevator sitting in a corner, fuck you. <laughs>
1: Actually that's my favorite Chucky line besides in Bride of Chucky I'll go to Bride of Chucky real quick and Bride of Chucky when they're at that uh, honeymoon hotel and uh that like you know that weird couple like that are trying to all like come in and you know like be like swingers or whatever the the woman picks up the Chucky doll you know and he's all like you know scarred up you know it's the first film where Chucky was all scarred up and uh she picks him up and she's you know like oh what an ugly doll and Chucky goes Hi, I'm Chucky, and I wouldn't talk if I were you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my one complaint about Child's Play, I wish they would have made it more ambiguous as to whether it really was Charles Lee Ray inhabiting this or it was just, Andy was just crazy. I feel like it could have, I, they kind of literally ruined it in the beginning. Right? Yeah, you know right away. You <laughs> yeah, know, right, you know away. right away. I think it would have maybe been better if you didn't see that and you're wondering, like, you could see the news reports about the Lakeshore Strangler, like, dying in the factory, and then you're wondering, is Andy really just this crazy kid, or is it really his doll came to life?
1: Yeah, uh, I think that the uh, the thing is, you know, that, that coming from a writing standpoint, um, you know, Don Mancini and John Lafayette, you know, and uh, Tom Holland wrote this uh, screenplay, and I, I feel that coming from a writing st- I hear what you're saying, but I feel that from a writing standpoint... That maybe they were like, let's just show that it's the killer doll and try to make the movie about how would a kid explain this and like not be looked at as crazy. You know, that might've been the angle that they were kind of going for.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it does add some emotional weight to the scene of Andy at the hospital where he's just sitting in there and crying because nobody believes him that his doll is killing people.
1: Well, I have, uh, I have actually, uh, I have two things that I want to ask you. One, I'm going to ask you two things. Okay. One. I want you to tell me, tell us, the listeners, the story of how you first saw Child's Play because you did not tell that story, and I think that that needs to be told. And then I have a question for you when you're done telling that story.
0: Okay, the first time I ever saw Child's Play, I guess I must have been about four because the movie was on HBO. And for those of you that are old enough, HBO, back when it was just one channel on cable, it was kids shows during the day. And then, at like, 7 or 8 o'clock, it switched over to, like, just not not adult content, but stuff more and more geared towards the 18 to 30 49 demographic. Well, my dad was watching me. My mom was at work, and my dad fell asleep after dinner. And I'm watching HBO and have kids programming. After that, it pops up and says, Up next, Child's Play. Me being a 4-year-old kid, I think oh i guess it's some other kid's show let me see what this is that movie scared the shit out of me i remember hiding under the blanket but i couldn't stop watching the movie but i was absolutely terrified for weeks but i just couldn't like <laughs> shut it off
1: <laughs> yeah it actually uh it had kind of, like it didn't have that much of an effect i, mean, I think part two you know we talk about part two in a bit we'll go into that but uh more, more things about part two scared me more than the first one but uh One of the scenes that scared me that I was, this is my question to you. Uh, So you having, you know, saying that you didn't know what you were getting into when you were watching the movie yet stuck it out. What was your, do you remember what was your first like thought when Catherine Hicks is uh, shaking Chucky because she realized the batteries aren't in him and he like wakes up for the first time and starts snapping on her and like bites her. Like what was your reaction to that as a young kid? I have to ask because that is like the scene when you're watching it.
0: I dude I I can remember her like picking the box up and the batteries fall out and me being four at first just like okay I was like I didn't understand why the camera was like zooming in on these batteries and then I see her pick chucky up and open the back and there's no batteries and me like my four year old ass is like oh shit <laughs> I was fucking so scared and then when he fucking just turns his head around and starts attacking her dude that shit scared me so much that and the like when they end up all back at the house like before he gets burned up and everybody's like creeping around and he's chasing them through the house. I think the worst is like for me was when they were in the bathroom and like Chucky stabbing and trying to get in the door. I think that's the one that like terrified me the most. Cause I'm like, they just burned. Like, I remember after they burned them and I'm thinking the movie's over and I just see, there's like no doll. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> but I just, I, I guess that's why we're here talking about horror movies now. Like I was, I was terrified. I mean, I was four. that and it like that year fucked me up. <laughs> and like but i couldn't ever stop watching them
1: no that's just it like that's how you know you're going to be a horror fan there's people who watch it and they go oh i'm done i can't watch it i don't know how you can watch that stuff and then there's people that watch it and they're like affected by it like rather they think it was gross or scary but then like you catch them watching it again or reading about another horror movie and watching something else and you're kind of like oh, okay so it, well, that's how you know the seeds planted and you know like definitely at a young age for me and you uh the seed was planted you know when we were when we were very young but uh for a second let's talk about like like i said earlier uh the child's play films are the best killer doll toys or the best killer doll movies again i've still said that wrong the best killer doll movies out there um but you know there are some good contenders like demonic toys and puppet master but
0: only the original puppet master
1: yeah but yeah agreed um but uh I will throw out there that uh Dolly Dearest is a strong contender. It's not as good. I think that it's the story is not as good. The budget, you know, and production quality aren't as polished and nice. But Dolly Dearest scared the shit out of me. Like we're not going to go too much into Dolly Dearest, but let me just say that like that movie messed me up. Like The, the Child's Play 2 and Dolly Dearest were the ones to me that were like I was scared of dolls for like a good period. <laughs>
0: I don't know if that's the other one I watched as a kid. There's so many horror movies that my dad had me watch as a kid in the, like, early to mid-90s when I was real young that I don't, like, I remember scenes from these movies, but I have no clue what they are. And there was another doll movie. It might have been Dolly Dearest. I, I think that's what it was, but there was another one. Yeah, in the nineties, it just fucked me up.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing about Dolly Dearest is uh the thing that makes it so scary is like the voice. Like unlike Chucky, like Brad, you know, Chucky has Brad Dourif's voice, and Brad Dourif can it, the, the character has always had like a dark sense of humor. Even when you hear what he's saying, because it's a doll, when he's saying fucking shit, you know, it's funny. It's there's still like a humor to it. But when you like see like the doll in Dolly Dearest, this little this little creepy ass doll, ugh, she's so ugly, and that's the thing. Like it's. A normal doll but then when it's like possessed and walking around and talking it's so ugly looking like you know how Chucky's face like like you can tell when Chucky's a good guy doll and when he's like actually possessed all the face yeah. is different well like with her like the doll right away with Dolly Dearest like the face just goes from like a doll to like fucking creepy and, it, and then in the voice it's like so yeah definitely a creepy doll movie if uh, anybody out there's looking for an old school scary doll movie I highly recommend that one Dolly Dearest it's very underrated and forgotten about um, but again, let's not get too caught up in talking about Dolly Dearest. We got Child's Play 2 to talk about.
0: And speaking of Brad Dourif, I think the Child's Play remake proved that, just like Freddy, the only person that should be playing Chucky is Brad Dourif. I knew I wasn't going to like the Child's Play remake, but I love Mark Hamill. He does amazing voice work, like as the Joker and... But even I was just like, no, this movie's terrible. It's not Chucky. Like, where's Brad Dourif?
1: No, no, I agree. Uh, He's definitely, his presence or his voice is definitely missing from the movie. I don't know. It's like, there's just something. He sounds so damn angry. There's just something about, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Like, it just can't be matched. And like you said, even though it's just a voice, it is sacrilegious. Like, maybe once Brad Dourif, like, isn't around anymore, like, you know, in a 20 30 years or whatever and if somebody wants to reboot it again and it could be an honest faithful like remake then like let's bring it on but like do it you're gonna remake it while the dude's alive and nobody wants that same thing that happened with robert england like and the they run um street like the the dude who plays that part the dude who owns that role who no one can fill their shoes are alive and able to do it so why are you having someone else do it you know what i mean that's kind of how i feel about it
0: yeah i feel like any of the speaking ones like i mean like michael and jason you can replace them with like Stunt doubles. Exactly. Yep. Unless they're, uh, you know, Rob Zombies (laughs) one and then fucking talking and shit. I mean, you don't need the same guy playing it.
1: You ready to talk about Child's Play 2?
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's get into Child's Play 2. Alright, let's do it. Alright, so Chucky's back. After the last one, we learned that the only way to kill him is to kill the heart. Well, the good guy company wants to prove that all these people were crazy and that chucky isn't charles lee ray wasn't really in the body and i don't know how they don't figure there's something up when the presentation is to take the same good guy doll clean it up they go to put eyes in it and the dude gets fucking electrocuted and tossed through a window with the same doll but you know everybody's just gonna act like that's fucking normal and then, after that, Andy we find out is in a, uh, I guess, orphanage foster home. Well, he's getting to put put in a foster home. Uh, the cops retracted their story, which I got to ask you, I, what what do you think their explanation was if they're taking back the story that it's a killer doll? I don't what else I, like I don't know what logical explanation they could give? <laughs> to their superiors that they're like, hey, that's okay. Those people were crazy. Why is there blood everywhere? Why these people die? Why is there a doll that just is burnt to hell with no head and there's blood pouring from the doll's body? Like, I never understood that part of Child's Play too. But anyway, Andy's going to live with his, uh, new stepdad and step, well, foster mom and foster dad. Uh... Our boy, Phil, is the foster dad. My man, Beef. Goddamn Phantom of the Paradise. (laughs) Anyway, they get to the house. Andy's looking through the house, and he finds a good guy doll. And as he naturally would do, fucking shit himself and ran out of the room. Later that night, Chucky's in the back of one of the people uh, from the corporation's trunk. Well, actually, no, back seat. He tried to put him in the trunk, but he couldn't get him in there. He ends up, uh, while he's trying to purchase alcohol for his date, Uncle Charles calls and tries to find out where Andy is. Well, he ends up killing the guy, and he goes to Andy's new foster home, and he finds the other doll, who's named Tommy. And one of my favorite lines from this movie is after he busts his face open, Chucky decides to bury him. Uses a good guy's shovel, by the way, too, to dig the hole. And with his best line, well, second best line, I'll say, eat dirt, Tommy. So then Chucky's in the house and he's back for Andy.
1: <laughs> Man, I love Child's Play too. That was the one that... Uh, best one. Yeah, that that's the best one. That's the one that stood out to me. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I remember, seriously, I remember like going into the video store with my parents every weekend, like there was a laundromat and like we would go to the laundromat every weekend and like right next door to the laundromat. There was this video, like VHS shop, like it was old, you know, old school, and uh, the guy named Ed owned the shop, and uh, my dad was friends with the guy, and uh, we would always go in there and rent stuff every weekend, and I remember the poster of Child's Play 2, like hanging up on the wall with the uh, Jack in the Box with the clown face and Chucky behind it with the scissors, and it says, "Sorry, Jack, Chucky's back." Yep. That poster scared the hell out of me, Deep. like dude I like, I like as a kid i thought that like, and growing up i'm thinking like that's brutal to put that on a poster where kids can see it like you know what i mean like because that really scared the shit out of me before i even saw the movie i knew going and like oh man this is going to be really bad i'm way too young to be watching this shit
0: dude i remember it's the same poster my mom and i went to a grocery store and then a couple stores down was a video rental place and my mom knew one of the people at work there. So, like, she's in the store just, like, talking to her. And it's, like, front center as you come in right behind the cashier. It's just that poster. And I'm just, like, frozen the whole time. And, like, they're trying to, like, reassure me it's okay. And I'm just like, oh, man, no. I know i seen the first movie. <laughs> like, I know this is going to be bad. But Brad Dourif absolutely shines in part two. They really just let him go all out. And uh, it had my favorite line in the movie, which I got him to write on my pop vinyl when uh, Kyle, uh, played by Christina Lee, slams on the brakes and sends him through the windshield. I know I'm jumping way late in the movie, but uh, goddamn women drivers with Chucky's hanging on the hood (laughs) is the best line in that movie
1: yeah i agree like you said brad durf really got to cut loose <laughs> and i think that i think everybody did like not i think he probably had the most fun with the stuff that was being said but i think you know uh alex vincent's uh andy you know his portrayals andy barkley was a step up from the first film too you could tell he actually had matured as an actor in that time and uh christina at least did a great job you know um but uh going back to uh you know quotes you had said your favorite quote well, you know what mine is how's it hanging phil
0: my man phil
1: My man Beef.
0: Um, I mean, let's be honest. Can you fault Phil for his actions in this movie? He gets a foster kid, which I don't know why they adopted him, when he clearly didn't want the kid after he heard the stuff. And he still keeps clinging to the story of this killer doll. Like I understand Phil's actions, but...
1: Yeah, I I think that like he he definitely I I feel that Phil is definitely short with Andy. He doesn't really give Andy much of a <laughs> he chance. He's playing that bullshit. He doesn't give Andy much of a chance before he starts losing his cool. I mean, I uh, granted that you know the the family heirloom uh knickknack to get to, that gets used to bust tommy's face open by chucky gets blamed on andy and they take Hug that like a, this they take that on the chin and don't really do anything to andy so i mean i can't say that, that phil jumps the gun but i definitely feel it was like just a few incidences before he was just ready to get all up on andy like you know and snap on him and just be like real like real dicky like a stuck like a like you know i don't know i just feel like there would have been some abuse at some point abuse
0: <laughs> holy shit
1: the way he was acting, I just feel like he was going to get the belt out at some point <laughs> if Andy kept talking holding. about Chucky. Yeah.
0: But here's my thing. They're trying to partially blame Andy for the family heirloom getting destroyed. But his foster mom slept with him in the bed because he was scared. What did he do? Sneak out, go down, bust it up, and come back to bed? Like <laughs>
1: That's very true.
0: Although... Fuck, fucking Andy is subconsciously a savage when she's talks about how she can't have any kids, and she's like, "This is a family heirloom. I'm, my grandmother gave it to my mom, and my mom gave it to me." And he goes, "Who are you gonna give it to?" And she's like, "Let's move on."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's that, that that kid honesty that you just don't need. <laughs>
0: You're like God damn it! I know you don't mean it, but stop being a dick. <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> I want to br- bring, I something up to you. Uh, by the way, you had brought up how uh, they use, uh, they rebuild Chucky in the Good Guy Factory at the beginning of the film. Did you ever notice how like they give him everything new? They buff his freaking head, you know, like they shine him all up, but they don't fix his teeth. They scrape his teeth, but That's they're still true. like yellow and burnt. And then they like put him <laughs> into an actual doll. Like you did not finish that job. Like you gave my man crackhead teeth.
0: Yo, and also, like, why is his skull, like, made out of metal? Like, that's a kid's doll. Like, that shit's gonna hurt.
1: I guess back... Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is... That, <laughs> that is true, and it's probably heavy as hell, too.
0: Dude, and how many false endings did we have in this movie? I remember as a kid, there was, like, at least two different times I thought it was over, and I'm like, nope. Two, yeah,
1: and two points also that I want to bring up, actually um one being you had brought up how uh, the scene where chucky when he was like burnt and trying to come through the bathroom door really messed you up because like that just showed you his persistence and again i'll go back to how i said child's play two more had an effect on me like i remember one but not as well and uh, i think i was a little older when i saw two so it stuck with me more but uh when he when, when chucky cuts his own hand off he well, doesn't oh, cut it man. off but he pulls it off
0: even though you know it's a doll, like, even today, it's still, like, damn, that's pretty gruesome. It's fucking
1: hardcore, right? Like, yeah, he but up-
0: it's still, like, you think about it, you're like, it's a doll, but it still comes out, like, pretty hardcore, like, yeah,
1: considering that he could feel and bleed, like, that's pretty brutal. But,
0: I mean, Chucky with one hand and a knife hand, I mean, that's pretty badass. That's what I
1: was gonna say, like, that, to me, like, how you said, like, the, the being charred and coming uh, through the bathroom tears. door. <laughs> the way, like, he was being charred and coming through the bathroom door in the first one. Like that affected you. What affected me was the knife hand because that just showed me like God damn, he just will not fucking stop. Like he gets his hand caught, and instead of going, Oh, this is it, he's like, I'm just gonna pull my hand off and I'll jam it. <laughs> so I was like from South Park, I'm gonna sneak up on it <laughs> and jam my arm on the knife. <laughs> you know, but no for like uh he, he actually like instead of he actually just turns his arm into a knife. And I'm that was when I was like as a kid watching that. I'm just thinking Holy shit, like this dude just does not stop. And then like you said, so that's why I brought that up to follow up your uh your point about the the false endings. Like, you know, you think he might be he might be done when his hands caught, but you know it's probably not, but you're definitely not expecting him to cut his own fucking hand off and put a knife in it. And then from there, just the false ending after false ending. Like, you know, that that like you said.
0: And that scene fucked me up. Like when Andy falls down to green he just like pops up as a kid. That fucked me up. And I gotta say, like I was just thinking now, like child's play two. growing up, i watched it so much, but I think it's because I felt like it was on the USA network like every Saturday. And I just subjected to my parents to having to sit through it. Cause I still remember like my dad, like you watched that last week. I'm like, yeah, I want to watch it again. And then he couldn't find anything to watch. So he's like, fine, I'll put it on.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I want to tell the story, a uh, story to our listeners here real quick. Um, uh, we got to bring this up uh we didn't talk about this beforehand john but this has to get brought up uh halloween to you listeners uh if you've listened to this podcast you know that halloween is john and i's favorite film horror film of all time uh but you know so we've watched that movie like a ton together like, we watch it every halloween probably a couple of times every halloween we put it on in the background when we're bullshitting or like setting up for the podcast like halloween was our movie but like over the last like you know year or so, Child's Play Two's been catching up. But we've been watching Child's Play Two a lot together because we love that movie so much. And it just kills me because you know I'm 34 years old, and it just took me till about like a year ago till John just totally ruined like one of my favorite scenes <laughs> I of the movie. Know what you're movie. Say. Yeah, the scene with uh, Miss Kettlewell played by Beth Grant um, when uh, Andy's in detention after school in detention after school and uh, <laughs> and she goes into the, uh, Andy disappears and she comes back into the classroom and she thinks that Andy's in the, cl- in the uh, closet in the classroom. So she's snapping and being super bitchy and she unlocks the, 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 the closet door and you see all like the, the clothing and the sporting activities and the tennis balls and all this stuff and she's looking around and, you know, can't find anything and, you know, there's a false scare with like a ball dropping on her and then, uh, and then, Chucky just comes out of nowhere with an air pump and stabs her with it. And then of course you know this is how I see it. He, he stabbed her with the air pump. And she went falling backwards, and then Chucky persists to beat her to death with a ruling, with a a huge ruler. What are they called? Yardstick? Yardstick. Yeah, beating her to death with a yardstick. Here's the thing John just goes to me, You ever notice how it's like Chucky pumps the air pump, and that's why (laughs) Mrs. Kettlewell (laughs) falls backwards? And I'm like, No, what? So he rewound the movie, and we watched it. And I'll be damned if Chucky doesn't stab her in the stomach and then pump, the pump, pushes the pump in, and then she flies backwards and takes all those desks out. And it makes more sense why she fell backwards like that, but, like, I don't know how in all the years of my watching it, I never was able to put it together. I just think it's so
0: abysmal. It's just so, like, what the Dude, hell? He has, like, his little hand, he has his hand, and he just has his palm, like, on the back and just pushes it. <laughs> and you actually like, <laughs> like hear he the... Pump. My question is, how much air is he able to generate with, like, I mean, it's like a, it's like an air pump for a basketball or a football. Right. Like it's not that big,
1: and he generated a lot of air to blow her back. Like, but that.
0: it's still my favorite scene.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a great scene. I mean, it's just it was just eye opening because it definitely adds a layer of cheese to that scene that I didn't think it had before. But it's a layer of cheese that I can accept.
0: I think the whole, the school, just everything with the school as a whole's that. And I, I, the factory at the end are the best parts. Are the best parts of the movie?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the climax of the whole build up to Child's Play Two is uh is as be- well. The, the whole build up. Like, we talked about this before off air, but the whole the whole film of Child's Play Two is just better. I can't really think anything. I don't really think anything from the first film is better. I don't think the tension, the scares. Uh, by the way, something that scared the shit out of me. I told you more things stood out to me about this movie when Chucky's in the bedroom. And he, like, uh, Andy goes to grab the knife, and, uh, Chucky, um... You mean Kyle? Kyle, yes, Kyle, that's what I meant. Yeah, Kyle goes to grab the knife, and you see his hand grab the knife. But before that, when you just see his two little legs crawl <laughs> under the bed... Dude, I was on a bed at that time. I was on my mom's bed. It was, like, off the ground, like, tw- you know, like, a foot or two off the ground. It was a high bed. And I'm just thinking, like, yo, I got a piss, and I wanted to drink so bad. <laughs> I am trying
0: to get my ankle cut. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying
1: to get off the bed. Like, that was creepy as hell to me. But, um... Even though we're not talking about it, he
0: did follow that up in three with Cut an ankle.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. But yeah, that uh, that definitely um, that stood out to me as a scare for her. like that definitely messed me up. And um, the other thing that I was gonna bring up to you, something that I thought was kind of funny, I brought it up to my wife Sam. Um, you know who Sam is? I don't need to introduce her as my who wife. Is she? The <laughs> listeners don't know. Never met. Um, her. I brought it up to Sam when I was watching Child's Play two again. Um. I wonder what Kyle was doing when she was out that night. God, thank God that she was out partying or doing whatever.
0: I mean, I don't want to know. be disrespectful to Christina Lee. <laughs>
1: no, 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 you wouldn't be disrespectful to her. Just I the guess char- it's her character. The character of okay, Kyle, but fine, that's the, the thing. because if She should have ran. If she didn't come in when she did. It, andy was toast Also, so, thank god that she was out lollygagging but that was always something i wonder because when she came in she looks like really pretty and dolled up so i'm like was she on a date was she at a party like th- is that your answer what you think was going on you think kyle was getting around really? yeah.
0: <laughs> but my question is why is she coming back through andy's bedroom
1: <laughs> i don't know I mean,
0: like my my other question would be is like did she sneak out through Andy's window? Yeah, really? that
1: could be. Maybe something was wrong with her window. Maybe I mean, like maybe 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 uh, somebody
0: can send us like the blueprints for the house, and then we can figure out why why Kyle didn't go out her window.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, maybe the uh, foster parents like would have seen. Kyle, if she was going out of her window or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, if somebody can get John Lafayette to send us the blueprints of that house, I'd appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely. John Lafayette, by the way, uh, went on to direct Man's Best Friend, a very good uh, dog attack movie uh, starring Lance Hendrickson, so I definitely uh, recommend that one.
0: Uh, So what was your favorite part of Child's Play 2?
1: I have to say that my favorite part of child's play too it's crazy because that's like there's so I, the whole movie's memorable i mean i think the whole i hate to say it's because of my line how's a hanging fill but the whole basement scene of andy going downstairs after dark and getting like the pov shot where you think it's kind of chucky at first and then you realize it's andy grabbing like the turkey cutter the turkey knife yeah. and the electric knife you know and then uh like that whole scene in the basement, that's probably like what stands out to me because the how's a Hanging fill line. But like the build up to that, like Andy and him were fucking duking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was just remembering fucking Chucky's legs just fucking kicking like on Andy's back as he's like turning. <laughs> but I was that's something I meant meant to bring up earlier, and uh you talking about the basement scene reminded me. The thing I liked about Child's play is I mean, I guess you could almost take it to a parallel of Halloween and Halloween 18 where Andy went from being like super scared, couldn't handle himself. And then it gets to the point in Child's Play 2 where literally nobody believes him and he's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go do this myself. And then that's like where you get him going to grab the knife, go downstairs, like I'm gonna handle this. Mm-hmm. And you just see like a change in his character.
1: Yeah, I agree. that's where he mans up. Yeah,
0: at like eleven years old. I hate to
1: say it, but eleven at eleven years old at eleven years old his balls dropped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that, and uh, I also like the factory scene at the end. And then uh, I think the one of the better kills, even though it's so ridiculous, is the dude getting the eyeballs
1: oh yeah in the factory yeah that's definitely a good one
0: but uh, i thought chucky was done for the first time after he got uh sent back in there and it started putting all those arms and shit on. yeah him. they
1: frankenstein the shit out of him and then uh and then they melt his ass and he pours that acid on him and it's just like how is he not done at this point
0: yeah i mean like he went back in there he came out like like lieutenant dan he lost his legs and he just got but he got a cart to scoot around on
1: yeah, and then he got he got fried on the acid after that. That's what I'm saying. That <laughs> yeah, acid Yeah, that plastic part, or whatever. Yeah, that was like yeah, that liquid plastic or acid It'll or whatever like it was. Like a garbage pail kid. Yeah, right. Had him looking like a like a charred Dana White.
0: A charred White. Oh my God. He just swole. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then I mean, after this, we had Child's Play three, and uh, they aged Andy up. But
1: yeah that that was one of the most uh most unjust recast ever there was no reason to recast andy mean, justin
0: Whalen doesn't do a bad job but i mean like i mean they 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 could they could they could have found a way to keep andy further
1: i definitely agree i think that uh i i agree i think that was one of the worst you know injustices but as as a whole that's what's funny is uh I don't find that three held up to the first two. Like I like three. It's it's just like, just like the bad Friday, the 13th sequels and the bad Halloween sequels. I'll watch it, but there's a, there's a serious drop in quality after the first two, like definitely not on the same level.
0: Yeah. i yeah. One and two are on their own, which here's what Do you like better? I know we're only talking one and two, but I mean, we both agree one and two are on their own. Um, uh, do you like Three or Bride better?
1: I'm gonna go with Bride. I know that you're probably gonna say Three, but I'm gonna say Bride. Yeah, I'm gonna say Bride because Three again. I was disappointed in Three from the after the first two. It was a step down where I feel that Bride was like a welcome, like refresh, refreshment, refresh, you know, like it refreshed the series in a, in a new way where Chucky was back, he was funnier, there was a Bride. I feel that, like, it, it did something different, where I feel that Child's Play 3 just kind of tried to, like, let's just do the same thing, but now he's older and in school, and so that's why I give the nod. And also, Ronnie, you directed, it, and he did Freddy versus Jason, and his movies are just usually visually beautiful.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he did Freddy versus Jason, but he did get rid of Kane Hodder.
1: That is another, another uh, injustice, another uh, recast injustice that's just not needed.
0: Yeah, one last thing about uh, Child to Play 2. I gotta say, Chucky had some nice handwriting. <laughs> for only having them little tiny fingers, I mean, the fuck you bitch was very legible.
1: Yeah, it was, it definitely was, and Andy got a lot of shit for that. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, our guest today, Alex Vincent, he, you know, luckily after three... After Child's Play three and uh, Bride and uh, Seed passed, uh, Alex Vincent came back into the series to play uh, Andy Barkley again, and uh, he makes a cameo at the end of Curse of Chucky, and then has Dude, a.
0: I was so hyped in that post-credit scene. I was like, "Oh shit!" It's yes. Alex Vincent. D-
1: I th- didn't we watch it together the first time?
0: Yeah. D- yeah. And
1: then, like, when the credits like popped up, we were both like, "Holy shit!" Like, we did not expect to see like. We did not expect to see him because we hadn't seen nothing on the internet about it or nothing. And we were just like, oh, shit, Andy's back. I
0: know. Dude, I was so excited.
1: And Colt was another, like, refresher because, again, since Seed, we didn't have, like, a Chucky movie for a while. And in a land of remakes, Curse comes out. And you're like, oh, shit, like, it's a a continuation. And then that was really good. And then they came out again with Colt. They were – Alex Vincent has an even bigger part in that movie. He's one of the main players in that movie. And you really see that they're building towards something with his character.
0: Dude. Him smoking weed with the Chucky head, and then he tries to give him to Jay, and he tries to bite
1: him. I'm just laughing that Chucky's just an OG, man. He's just a head, like, stapled and nailed to, like, a a wooden block, and he's still trying to hit the Jay.
0: And, I mean, talk about how you said you just saw, like, he wouldn't give up. Part two. My man's ahead and he's still trying to fucking get Andy.
1: (laughs) Even if it just means biting him. But like I said, I love that he's got to try to hit the J. Like Chucky's just. (laughs) Chucky's a real G, man.
0: Uh, With that said, I think that's a perfect segue into Burn and Learn.
1: Well, not yet. Hold on one second. Uh, Let's talk about Chucky.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's
1: talk about Chucky coming out this October. How fucking hype are you for it?
0: Dude, I don't. I. I'm super excited and then I'm like I don't know how they're going to fucking do it as a TV show but I'm excited and I think it's from what I understand it's going to be hour long episodes
1: yeah and uh, and uh, from I think it's going to be eight, 8 or 10 episodes or something like that I think we get 8 or 10 hours of Chucky as opposed to again like what happened with Ash vs Evil Dead you get 5 hours a season versus an hour and a half movie so the show thing is definitely going to play out
0: dude I <laughs> It's funny you bring up Ash vs. Evil Dead, because literally the next thing I was about to say was, I also thought when they announced Ash vs. Evil Dead, how the hell are you going to make that a TV show? And it worked out phenomenally. So, I mean, well we'll we'll see what Don Mancini and Cruz got planned.
1: Yeah, and you know, Don Mancini, he worked on uh, Hannibal, and he did, you know, great work on Hannibal, and Hannibal was a beautiful show, and from what we've seen from Curse and Cold of Chucky that Don Mancini's directed, he's really very good with visuals, so I feel that it's not just going to be some, like, cheap, forced, rushed Chucky show that's like, oh, look, they brought Chucky back. I really feel that, especially from the trailer, the attention to detail is there, the love of the character is there, the respect of the series is there, everybody's back doing their shit, and... Uh, the I just feel that, like, you know, we're really in for something special with this.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, like, you even look at the look of Bride and Seed and compare it to Curse and Colt. Curse and Colt look better. Yeah, there's been more time, but those had, like, big, big studios behind them where these, these were direct-to-video ones, but they still cinematically looked better. I agree. Now I think we can get into Burn and Learn. Let's
1: get into Burn and Learn.
0: Hmm. Learn and learn. All right, we'll start with Child's Play 1. The first draft of the script was completed in the summer of 1985 and referenced Chucky, as buddy, who came to life after mixing blood with Andy and killed those against Andy. For example, the babysitter Maggie, a uh, teacher, and it manifested Andy's loneliness and isolation from an overworked mother and an absent father. In addition to being more of a psychologically driven horror film, Buddy also only came alive at night when Andy was asleep.
1: In an interview, Don Mancini said in the original script, Child's Play was at first a satire on toy marketing and merchandising for children, before the idea morphed into a horror film instead.
0: Chucky's full name, Charles Lee Ray, is derived from the names of the notorious killers Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, who assassinated JFK, and James Earl Ray, who assassinated MLK.
1: Despite their long-running collaborative effort to bring Chucky to life, voice actor Brad Dourif and special effects wizard Kevin Yeager never met in person until they were both guests at a horror convention in May 2018.
0: And the original work print of the movie was over two hours long. Other sources mention that the original cut was two and a half or near three hours long. Some of the scenes that were deleted or cut down are in, uh, for example, the opening. Uh, the original was going to have Mike dressed in women's clothing in order to catch Charles Lee Ray. If you watch the normal opening scene closely, you can see that Mike throws a dress to the ground when he chases Ray down the street. Uh, Second, Andy showing Chucky his room. Uh, Another one was Andy falling into a ditch in front of Eddie Caputo's hideout as it explodes. Uh, Chucky's witch doctor friend John slash Dr. Death performing a ritual dressed in voodoo priest clothing. Uh, Next, uh, Andy befriending a young girl during his time in the mental hospital. Later on, Chucky tricks the same girl to help him out to find Andy. Andy and also more footage of Chucky stalking Andy at the mental hospital. The DVD commentary also mentions an alternate ending in which Mike is the one that kills Chucky by decapitating him with a baseball bat. The deleted scenes of Child's Play have never surfaced in any form online, and director Tom Holland said the scenes were in his script. He shot him, but was deleted as he cut the movie.
1: A possible translation of the chant, which is Haitian Creole, but mistaken as French, is as follows I call to thee, Dambala, give me the power I beg of you. Leave me mercy from this mortal, mortal, mortal coil. Give me life beyond death. Move my mortal soul into this vessel. I command thee, Dambala. I command thee, Dambala. I command to Dambala. Move my mortal soul into this vessel. I command to thee, Dambala. I command to thee, Dambala. I command to the Damballa. I hope I just didn't bring some like voodoo shit down <laughs> on me for reading that out. I mean,
0: loud. I don't know what you're. You don't have your hand on anything, so I think you're good. Uh, John Lithgow, Gary Oldman, and Andrew Divoff were rumored to consider playing the role of Charles Lee Ray and voice Chucky.
1: Child's Play continues a theme in Tom Holland's films of people seeing something supernatural, but they can't get anyone else to believe them. I.e.g. Scream for Help, 1984. Cloak and Dagger 1984 and Fright Night 1985.
0: Tom Holland was influenced by the Hillside Strangler to make Charles Lee Ray have a partner.
1: Don Mancini and John Lafay were barred from the set after threatening to use Tom Holland, after threatening to sue Tom Holland over a writing credit dispute. And with that, we're gonna move on to Child's Play 2. Child's Play 2 is the shortest Child's Play movie clocking in at 84 minutes.
0: Tommy, the good guy doll, was named after the OG's director, Tom Holland.
1: And after knowing that they have beef now, that makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I kind of thought that as well.
1: Chris Sarandon was supposed to be in Child's Play too, but his scenes were cut from the film due to budgetary reasons.
0: Brad Dourif rarely appeared on set due to the fact that his voiceover work was recorded in advance so they could match the doll's mouth with the words.
1: This was Christina Lee's film debut.
0: Child's Play 2 came in number one at the box office.
1: Uh, if you're a Seinfeld fan, check out his apartment. In the background on a shelf, you'll see a copy, on a VHS copy, of Child's Play 2.
0: This was Adam Wiley's first film role.
1: Although Kyle is a teenager in the film, actress Christina Leese was 25 when she played the part.
0: And lastly, Phil and Joanne were originally named George and Mildred in the script
1: all right now let's get on to uh talking to our man alex vincent alex vincent is best known for his role as andy barkley in the child's play series over the last 30 years he's still outwitting the little shit chucky Alex is also the owner and producer at AV Productions Recording Studio in Clearwater, Florida. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for being on High on Horror.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, guys.
1: So, yeah, uh,
2: I got to ask you, uh, what are you doing? Are you rolling something right now? I am. Yeah. I, I, if I'm, This is the High on Horror podcast, right? So I can't be not high. Absolutely. I can't be not high while we're talking about horror. That I'd be <laughs> on the wrong show. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um... Yeah, I'm setting that up right now. So I'm in Canada um, where, you know, very wisely, they made pot completely legal and there's dispensaries on every other corner in Toronto. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's it's an eventuality for the rest of the country in the States. I think it's just going a little bit at a time. I live in Florida and um, sorry, there's fire trucks going by, you could probably hear them uh they'll be gone in a second um <clears throat> I live in Florida where I have a medical card um that I've had for the past couple years like since the day it was available I, I was ready and had it and believe it or not the first dispensary in my area was in the same complex as my recording studio oh no shit so I was already there for a few years and and then there was a weed store right in the same complex as my recording studio. It was pretty perfect. That's awesome. Uh, now they're, they're now they're like spreading out. There's a bunch of them, but uh, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, it's I, I think the fact that alcohol is legal and weed is illegal, it's about one of, the, one of the stupidest things human beings have ever contemplated and decided on because that makes absolutely no sense.
1: So. Absolutely. It's like, uh, it's, it's, you know, weed is harmless and anybody who says otherwise is, is, is a fucking idiot. If you're on other things and weed, sure. But I've never seen anybody yeah. do anything like absolutely ridiculous because they were smoking weed. It's the exact opposite. Um, yeah, it's the exact opposite. What, uh, what strain are you smoking today? What are you
2: rolling up? So what I'm rolling is, sh- I'll show you. Hold on. <clears throat> I've tried a bunch of different stuff since I've been here, but this uh, oh. Grand Theft Auto packaging, <laughs> very nice, cool. And this is Sherbert. I've had a bunch of different stuff, but
1: yeah, we're doing uh, we're smoking Jersey Thirty Three here. Got this Jersey Thirty Three.
2: You're not in Jersey though, Jersey are you? Jersey
1: Thirty. No, we're in Delaware, but you know we're from the East Coast, okay. so. <laughs> Yeah, well, um,
2: I grew up. In, I grew up in Jersey, so I, I think I got to try that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that's why we uh, we saved this strain to smoke for your interview. <laughs> oh yeah, awesome. Um, uh, how often do you smoke, man?
2: Oh, I smoke all the time. Um, yeah, I smoke pot all the time. I have for a very long time too, since I was like, I don't know, thirteen. Oh, so you got
1: started early like we did. <laughs>
2: Of course. I I was born in 81. So I grew up, you know, in the nineties and in the nineties, um, I don't know all my, everyone I hung out with surely smoked, smoked weed. Most, most of my school did in high school. I went to Hackensack high school. I grew up in a small town called Maywood and Hackensack was the neighboring big town. Like my town didn't even have a, uh, high school. So everyone in Maywood went to Hackensack high school. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it started kind of then cutting class and smoking weed on the tracks. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've, uh, in my life, I've gone through quite a bit. There's a lot of death in my life. And I've been on different types of like antidepressant type things, but I never stay on them long because I don't like how I feel on them. I think it affects my personality in a way that I, I don't care for. So I, uh, you know pot is what's really helped me kind of tolerate life um as you guys can relate i'm sure and so can so many others um so yeah it's just kind of the medicine that works well for me and for now in 2021 for it to be recognized as a medicine for that very purpose is uh you know finally on the right track
1: yeah absolutely um I, uh, I, I, smoke to medicate as well. I mean, it is fun to smoke, but usually, you know, uh, I have PTSD. So, uh, the, the medication that I'm given, it just puts me to sleep. It just makes me tired. And so it's like, you know, it's not for me. I smoke a little joint or a fat blunt or a bull pack and I'm good to go. I feel so I feel like me, I, yeah. you know, and it's like, I'm not going to take something that's going to make me not feel like me, you know, um, it's that simple. I agree. Well, I, was- I agree.
2: And, and also those medicines, I mean, first of all, it usually, it's like, it takes a lot of trial and error to find the antidepressant medicine that's right for you. Um, and I, sometimes the path to get to that can be a very difficult one. If you're taking something that doesn't work well with you, because first of all, you have to deal with coming on a new medication medication like that, but then coming off of it and both, Mm -hmm. both change the way you feel. Um, you know, I don't know any, any, uh, I've never gotten a a bag of pot with a label that say may cause uh, suicidal (laughs) tendencies, you know?
1: Correct. Uh, Do you have a favorite strain?
2: Um, Okay. So in the nineties, there was this, they were calling it lemon haze, um, which I've seen many types of lemon haze since that is not the same as what we were smoking then this stuff. So besides that specific unavailable strain that hasn't been around for 20 years which was absolutely my favorite. I, you know, for someone like me, who's been smoking for so long flavor is really what gets me. I I don't, um, you know, I can add some like crumble or wax or concentrate to make any weed stronger if I wanted to, but like, but the way it tastes is most important to me. So I really like anything that's like tangy and real sour, like straight up tangy is probably my favorite when it, Anything that has a real particular and strong and tasty flavor to it is my favorite. Jack Herrera always tastes real good. Um, yeah, it all comes down to flavor for me.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you on the uh, flavors. And uh, yeah, we're both uh, stoners born in the '80s. You and I actually share a birthday, April 29th.
2: Oh, get out of here! Happy birthday.
0: Yeah, happy nice ha- ha- happy work, belated
2: well. to you as well. Yeah, happy belated. That's uh, that's cool, man. Are you left-handed also? Uh, no, I'm not left-handed. All right, well, we don't have that much in common. <laughs> then. No, uh,
0: so, so what do you like to do when you're smoking?
2: Well, I mean, my favorite joints of the day. You mean like what are my favorite? Like I'll smoke kind of. I mean, unless I have like a, a really big session coming in the studio. Or, you know, I have to go somewhere, whatever, where I don't really feel like I need to be high. I won't be. But besides that, I pretty much smoke all the time. So my favorite joints of the day, though, are like when you're done with all your work and you sit down and watch a, a show, you know, roll a joint that's big enough that it lasts you through most of your show. And you just sit there and smoke. Um, my girlfriend happens to smoke a lot, too. So the, the joints towards the end of the day that I get to just chill and watch, watch our favorite shows together. That's my favorite
0: yeah I'd, I'd say watching something is definitely one of the best. um so is a joint your favorite way to consume?
2: It is yeah I don't like um I don't like bowls because the first hit tastes really good and then after that it kind of just tastes like a bulb um, yeah yeah so that's, that's, how I, that's how I feel about that and then bongs like uh it made me cough too much i my lungs just can't really handle them. Uh, anymore never really could honestly and then i like uh i like concentrates in vape pens like um like i got this one in uh canada here called a shatterizer um so any kind of concentrate like shatter in one of these although you know the more you hit on it the less it tastes great too but the first couple hits of like concentrate it is it's all about flavor to me
0: i agree with you on bowls and also i feel like bowls a lot of times you almost kind of get like the resin kind of comes to the end more than anything else
2: That that's that's like my my nightmare like I, one time not that long ago i was at a convention and someone had like a one hitter you know those cigarette looking one hitters yeah and uh that's i was like here take a hit of it and i was like oh, okay i don't really like those things but whatever I took a head of it and like I must have been a month's worth of goop sucked right through into my mouth. I almost threw up. It was oh. just hor- it was horrifying. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much all joints.
0: Now uh, getting into the first child's play. Uh, d- did you have much interaction with Brad Dourif on set?
2: No, not really. In the beginning, he was there before we really got going. Um, and we, we did like read throughs and stuff with him. And I got to meet him. And, you know, he had those scenes on camera in the beginning. So I met him in the beginning. But then after that, he just records his stuff elsewhere. I never really saw him again uh, during like during the filming of part two. I don't think I saw him at all. Um, and, and I see him at conventions, So I've had time hanging out with him outside of there. But on the sets... You know i haven't seen him at all during this show i haven't which isn't to say he wasn't here at some point but i I didn't i haven't seen him um and in curse luckily because he also had on camera stuff in curse of chucky uh we were there at the same time and my one day of shooting he was actually there watching he was sitting in video village watching me uh, do that scene and he was like full of compliments about it which from an actor like him was just uh you know, awesome to hear.
0: Did they, uh, when you were doing your scenes, did they have somebody else read it or did they play the audio? from
2: Thank God they have his voice on playback. Um, that's not always the case, but mostly that's the case. Uh, because yeah, you know, when you're acting to an inanimate object that, especially as a child, you're supposed to be terrified of. It's not really the same when like, you know, a script supervisors, like, you know you act like you've never seen a dead body before like it doesn't work <laughs> it doesn't work coming from the the female script supervisor on the other side of the room as it does hearing brad's voice yeah.
0: yeah i i don't think many people could could do what brad did uh now my fiance nicole she grew up terrified of chucky she still doesn't like the child's play movies and she wanted to know, were you ever scared or did anything become too much on the set when you were making the child's play films when you were younger?
2: No, never. Um, I, I, first of all, I was, I was a really bright kid. I mean, I was really far above my age. Um, so I had I totally understood what the movie was, what it was supposed to be, what our goal of making it look scary to other people was. Um And then the puppet itself was like the coolest thing you'd ever see as a kid. I mean, it was this like million dollar animatronic puppet with wires coming out of it and guys on the side of the room making him look and say things at me. I mean, that, you know, I wanted to be a puppeteer. You know, I I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, So no, and it was never scary. I mean, there were a couple things that they tried to keep me from seeing you know, like uh, I think I remember in the first film, the burnt up Chucky that stalks me down the hallway. They thought that would be too much for me to see, so I didn't. Um, and like when the doctor was baking, when you know, with the uh, shock thing on his head, and he, the doctor Ardmore was frying. They didn't. I didn't see any of that. You know, unless you're sharing the screen with someone, individual coverage you know you're barely ever looking at what's there uh in in the film
0: yeah and you mentioned the uh the hospital scene i have to say people always talk about macaulay colkin and home alone But what you did with Andy in that hospital scene, every time I watch it, I just feel so bad for Andy. Like, you do such a great job. Like, for a child actor, how were you able to, like, kind of channel those emotions? Because, I mean, it comes off as real. It's just, for a child actor, it's an amazing job.
2: Well, you know, my memory of being six is spotty, obviously. Um, But what I recall about that scene is that, I knew like it was on page 48 or whatever. I knew it was coming. I I knew when I got there that I had this crying scene. I knew for the weeks before it that I was going to have to do this crying scene. And so I think the anxiety of doing it helped me kind of get there already. I was already like scared to do that scene. Um, and I had a really good acting coach, Margaret, who helped me tremendously. Um, everyone else's memory of what happened is a little different, which is that Tom Holland was really just like laying into me and yelling at me and telling me your parents are getting divorced, which they were, uh, and oh, wow. shit like that. So, so, but yeah, I mean, even if that is the case, I don't hold that against him. Cause I was a tough kid. Like I, I, uh, I knew the goal. I knew he wasn't saying things to really upset. You know, the goal was to make that really real and believable. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've gotten a lot of uh, praise for that scene my whole life. And, um, you know, when when you're a kid who's actually invested in this, it was important to me. Uh, I had been auditioning for a lot, and, like, this was my first film I got, and I knew it was going to be a big deal. So it meant enough to me that a scene with some gravity to it led to anxiety for me. Um, and that anxiety helped me get to where I needed to be easier. But I also can still do that. I mean, I cried I cried in some little cheap movie that we made um, in 2013, and I was surprised how easy it was for me to do that. You know, it's actually, I'm not that surprised. Like I said, I've had a lot of death in my life. I've had a lot of things that were very difficult for me to handle. Um, so it's really easy to tug on some emotions that can get you to to there you know it's not it's not as difficult as it feels like it's going to be i could listen to a song and like start crying like halfway through it but almost every time i want to you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, uh the other question i had about uh child's play is after baggy's death in the original you as Andy tell your mother that Chucky said, aunt Maggie was a real bitch and got what she deserved. Now as a kid actor getting to be able to like cuss and not get in trouble for that. Was that like the coolest thing?
2: No, the opposite actually. Um, So I've told the story a lot, but it kind of led that line kind of helped me get the part in a sense, because I, I auditioned for it in New York, maybe twice or maybe even three times. And they, I had a final callback in L.A. that they flew me and my mother out to Los Angeles to audition against. In my memory, was two other kids. So there were like three of us up for their part. And in this audition, my mother was actually in the room with me while I was auditioning, which even as a six-year-old was rare. Like They'd wait outside they send you in. You do your audition. And she was in the room with me. And we got to that line, and I was so uncomfortable swearing in front of her that I pretended to have forgotten the lines. We got to that part, and I went, Oh, I, I forget. I forget what the line is. I'm like, Okay, we'll start over. We started to it. I did the same thing. Then I got up and ran out of the room and locked myself in the bathroom. And my mother had to come in and find out what was wrong. And I said, I don't want to say that word in front of you. I was six years old, you know? And she went out and she told them what the reason was, why I was doing that. And I think that first of all, I fooled them. They really thought I forgot the lines. And so they're like, oh, this kid can act, he fooled us. But I think also maybe the innocence that that displayed was perfect for Andy, you know? um, Andy was a really sympathetic character um, because of his innocence and, you know, And and I think a lot of people also overlook the fact that this kid just lost his father, which, you know, um, would be very traumatic for a six year old, a five year old, Whenever you know, he he died soon before that story picks up. Um, So yeah, I think his Andy's innocence was a big part of really making the fear that was soon to come all the more convincing.
1: Well, um, you had uh, stated that uh, filming uh, Child's Play, uh, you had no fear whatsoever of, like, the doll or anything. Um, I was thinking, you know, going into this interview, it would be the opposite. Because, like, I was thinking that even if, you know, you weren't scared of, like, the doll, maybe that sparked something else. Like, were you scared of any toys because of being in Child's Play? Like, any sort of, like, nothing really scared no. you? Really? No.
2: No. The opposite is true. I wasn't scared of toys. I wasn't scared of movies. I wasn't scared of horror films wasn't really scared of anything. Um, I mean scared of things sure but not like something like that like especially supernatural things like I never even as a kid I knew that that was not possible. you know I knew that a serial killer putting a soul into a doll is fantasy that's fiction that's not it's not real. that's not gonna happen. Um, so no, I didn't have no I wasn't I wasn't afraid of anything like that. I mean I, you know I taught myself to read on that child's play one script and I read it so many times that I had all my lines and all everybody else's lines memorized to the point where if they ad-libbed a little bit, I was like, no, that's not how, that's not how the line goes. And they had to go, no, that's okay. You could change it a little bit. Like, um, I really was a bright kid, much, much brighter than I am now. Um, (laughs) which is fairly intentional.
1: Yeah. That goes for all of us uh, sitting here. (laughs) Um, I got to ask you about uh, Child's Play too. That's me and John's, or John and I's favorite uh, Child's Play in the series. Um, Can you tell us, like, a memory? I know you were young, uh, but is there, like, a a behind-the-scenes memory, like, favorite memory or, you know, anything like that that you could share with us? Or, you know, have you smoked too much weed since then?
2: (laughs) No, no, no. I I, I remember plenty about it. Um, I don't remember much else about being eight. But when you're making a film on the Universal Studios backlot in Los Angeles as an eight-year-old, you're going to remember things. And, and what I remember most besides the fact that Don was on set and got along great with him and he took me uh, to the movies and and I got along really great with Christine and John was such a sweet guy. Um, so it was, it was fun being there. Um, but the, I mean, one of the best memories that I had during that was the fact that it was on the Universal Studios back lot. And I was such a huge fan of Back to the Future it was my favorite thing in the world. And they were filming Back to the Future Three, a couple sets over, and I got to go and take a tour of the set and have lunch with Michael J. Fox in his trailer. Oh, that's awesome! And and yeah, like sit in the actual DeLorean and like. Um, so yeah, I mean, that you were was, living the dream, was, dude. That was one of the most exciting days of my life. So yeah, I, I have to put that high on the list of uh, fun memories that that I had from that.
1: Well uh yeah that's that like I said you're you were living the dream man that, that age chilling in the in the DeLorean come on that's fucking awesome I uh, know <laughs> I know
2: it's great but now and then you know then then I have to be a normal human being for the rest of my life after that uh, led to some it's it's a weird th- feeling to feel like I was living my best life as a 6 and 8 year old you know,
1: I mean, I understand if it makes you feel any better. I
2: feel like my best years are behind me as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long behind me. Um, but, you know, yes and no. I mean, I'm doing something really fun and exciting right now, being a part of this upcoming show, which, you know, I mean, of course, I've read everything. I've been there while well, they filmed a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things. I know everything that's coming for you guys. And it's so good. I mean, it is really so good. Um, and I think evidence of that, you know, I was in the last two films, curse and cult and, and, you know, they were kind of like corned beef to people. You either love it or you hate it. And there's really little in between, um, the comments and stuff from things from curse and cult were a very mixed bag of some people were so complimentary and absolutely loved it. I've heard plenty of people say it's their favorite in the whole franchise. Uh, like the like cult of Chucky or curse of Chucky, but I've heard tons of people that act absolutely hate those films. Mm-hmm. So we put out we put out the trailer for the TV show like a week ago or whatever it was, and um, you know, like the last one I checked on YouTube had three thousand likes and sixty seven dislikes. Mm-hmm. That's like ninety nine percent positive. Um, so. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's really encouraging because we're working really hard on this. It was ambitious as hell to change this into a long format like this. You know, we were making a 90 minute film every four years the past few years. And now now there's eight hours worth of the show that we're filming over a few months, you know. So it was definitely ambitious, but I, I think it's paying off so far because people seem really excited. And the stuff I've seen, I mean, is even better than what's in the trailer. So,
1: well, um, I was going to ask you, uh, yeah, Jennifer Tilly and Fiona Durif, uh, they carried the series after the Andy character left the story. But now you're in the mix. It's like the two worlds collided. What's it like working with everybody?
2: Well, I mean, that's certainly the case for Tiffany. You know, with Bride and Seed, I was—I was like in high school and had nothing to do with the Chucky movies anymore other than talking about them every day, one way or another. At the time, I didn't really like talking about it, but it still was part of my life all the time. Um, so yeah, I watched bride come out and people love it and I had nothing to do with it. And that, you know, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good when they replaced me in part three, uh, especially as a 10 year old, I had a really hard time with that, but you know, I, the reason why I rooted for, Bride and rooted for Seed, even though I wasn't in them and a little butthurt, I guess that Andy wasn't in it anymore. Um, it's because of how much I love Don. And I know that he was really kind of taking it over and, and and doing what he wanted to do. And I, I, lo- I was a fan of Jennifer Tilly. So because of the two of them, I was able to, to root for it still. And, and I mean, I know that you know their success is tied into the way that it started. But to come back at the end of curse and then to get a little more to do in cult and then to be involved in this TV show. I mean, it's, um, it's pretty amazing, honestly. I don't know how many actors have played a character that was successful, uh, at six years old and is still playing the same character at 40, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unique. And, uh, I hope, I hope everybody really loves the show. You guys saw the trailer. What do you think?
1: Uh, we're we're fucking psyched, man! Like we're we're as yeah. shit about it. It looks Chucky looks good. The trailer looked good. The music looks good. What I what we like about it is you can tell it has that feel of the originals to it. You know, like yeah. that music, the little yeah. the little like that that little ding, ding music. You know, like it's yeah. it's it was it's on point. You know, um and uh yeah. So so like, what can you tell us about the show? Let's just get into the show right quick. What can you tell us about well, it? Well, did you see the,
2: did you see the legacy? of Chucky thing too, the longer version, the 14 minute legacy of Chucky Comic-Con thing.
1: No, I did not watch that.
2: So you should watch that. It's 14 minutes. It'll give you a much better sense of what's coming. Um, And there's interviews with us in it and stuff and like, uh, you know, for this trailer to come out and get so much positive attention and all of the fan favorites are not even in it yet other than Chucky, you know, and to know that uh, Andy and Kyle are back in it together that Nika is still in it because she's, first of all, such a fantastic actress. Um, And of course, Tiffany, who is also just a major fan favorite, you know, we were able to put together a really compelling and exciting trailer with no characters that they've ever seen before. Uh, So, you know, once, once others enter the story, I think, uh, people are going to be really excited as far as like giving you anything that's not already on the show that are not already been released. There's no way that's happening. So, (laughs) uh,
0: did you find much of a difference in production working on a TV show versus a movie?
2: Not really, not in this case. Um, no, I mean, it's moving fast, faster, you know, things are moving faster, I guess. Uh, cause we're getting through an episode and whatever it is, 16 days or something like that compared to a couple months working on a film. But, um, but you know, the, the schedule is just a little busier. Um, but you know, I making a production amidst COVID protocols is what's drastically different in this experience than ever before. I mean, I'm, I'm driven, I'm staying in downtown Toronto. The studio is further away from here, like forty minutes away, and I'm driven there three times a week to get a COVID test. Forty minutes each way and back. We have to wear shields all the time, except for when we're on camera. Um, and you know, I had to come here and quarantine for a couple of weeks, and then a, another few weeks of like a holding period. Um, so yeah, there's extra challenges certainly in making a production amidst all that's going on but uh otherwise you know no, no i mean especially since it's chucky like how could it feel that much different to me i it's it's always been chucky it still is chucky you know i'm playing this character for the fifth time so it doesn't really feel much different
0: and uh you had brought up curse and cold and i really liked uh, both of them and i, I was excited on uh, the post credit scene on a uh, Curse to see you back. I didn't really understand the hate for the movies. I thought they were solid Chucky entries, but I got to ask you, how much fun did you have torturing the Chucky head in uh, Colt?
2: Uh, that was that was um, you know one of my favorite days ever on set in in the Chucky films because I first of all I got to smoke a joint with Chucky, which uh, I was. I'll tell you how that happened. Um, I mean the the torturing of Chucky was right in line with what I thought Andy should be doing. Um, I thought that it would be perfect if he held on to the doll and was just torturing the shit out of him for years. And then I read the script when it was sent to me and that's exactly what was happening. So uh, I was psyched about that to begin with. And then I told Don at one point that, uh, Andy should smoke. He should still be a smoker because I take that. First of all, I'm a smoker, cigarette smoker also, unfortunately still, but, uh, I took a, a drag of Kyle's cigarette in Child's Play 2. So I thought to stay in Canon, it would be a good idea for Andy to be a cigarette smoker. And so my idea was that I'd smoke a cigarette and he went and tried to get permission for that. And the studio said, no, we don't want him smoking a cigarette, but he could smoke a joint. And, and Don came back and said, oh, we could smoke a joint. And I was like, that's so I would have suggested that first if I thought that was possible. Are you kidding me? That was like the best news ever. So, uh, yeah, for all my stoner friends that I grew up with, smoking a joint with Chucky was a thrill, you know.
0: Now, th- now, were you able to smoke an actual joint or w- was it a prop?
2: Unfortunately not. First of all, it was still not legal yet in Canada when we filmed that. But uh, I don't think that these are just all, you know, you're not even supposed to drink real alcohol and that's legal. And like, um, yeah, I mean, in my case, whether I'm stoned or not, you're getting the same performance. Cause like, it's the same difference to me. I mean, you guys know, like if you've been smoking pot for a long time, it does not affect you like that. Like it's incredibly rare, like that you'll get high and you're like, oh shit, I'm high school high all of a sudden, (laughs) how how did that happen? Like that's so rare, like that's never, you know? Um, One time I was in Michigan and some guy smoked me up in his uh, truck and, uh, they have really good weed there. Cause I got like that high. I went back to the convention, like, fuck, like everybody knows, <laughs> like I haven't thought that in years, you know, cause I don't give a shit. Who knows? Uh, I, I don't, I'm a big advocate of pot. I really think it's, it's helped my life. I mean, like anything, anything that you do in excess, you have to be willing to accept the downside. The downside for me is that I'm less productive than I should be. Um, and that's pretty much the only downside. Uh, and I, you know, obviously it starts adding up when you spend money on it all the time. But uh, yeah,
0: aside definitely. from
2: the, <laughs> aside from the money and uh, being a little less productive, it helps me in every other way. Um, so for me, and it's also the fact that alcohol, like I said earlier, the fact that alcohol is legal makes me want pe- more people to smoke pot more than ever because alcohol is. Uh, I mean, I drink. I don't drink that often, but when I do, I drink a pretty good amount. And the stupidest things I've ever done in my life are alcohol, are alcohol related, obviously.
0: One hundred percent agree with you on that one. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, I. It's definitely safer than drinking by a huge mile.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's safer. It's more fun for the people around you, you know, and nobody, no, if if you're a regular drinker, almost the chances that you're not a pain in the ass to most of the people in your life is like none. Um, and yeah, you just do dumb shit. I mean, not, you know, I like to drink too. So it's not that I'm totally bashing it, but I'm just saying in contrast between the two, you know, I, I have a really hard time with things that are illogical and people buying into things that are illogical. Uh, I, I get really uptight about that, you know um, like really, that's where that's where a lot of my uh, anger over over the former president sp- sprouted from was I just thought that the logic was a, it was a gap in logic in thinking that that was a good thing you know Uh, it's it's not even it was never policies or anything like that it was just like i get i get uh uncomfortable when i think that we're not thinking things through properly you know
0: yeah i i totally agree i don't i don't understand why it's why it's still illegal but well i mean lobbyist is why it's still illegal but yeah it definitely needs to be changed
2: well, it's on its way. I mean, you know, there's more and more decriminalized states all the time now. And um, and if it's not totally decriminalized, it's medical. I also think that going medical at this point is kind of a hindrance towards decriminalization because now you have all these other companies that have their hands in, in the profit pot. Um, so then moving it off of that, you know, um, people lose money, obviously. Other people start making money, the state starts making more money. If it's decriminalized, absolutely, it's the right way to go. And I just think when states go medical like Florida did now, like three years ago, um, I think it's gonna make it harder for it to become totally legal there. They'll just stick with the medical thing for a while. And I don't I mean, that's kind of fine too, because the truth is they want you to, to have weed. Like they'll help you find reasons to why it will help you. You know, people think like, uh, am I going to get approved? I don't think they're going to want to approve me. And the reality is they want to approve you that, you know, they want, they want to, they know that it helps like for so many different things. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it's not that, it's not that great in Delaware. Uh, we, we have medical, but a lot of times they're out of stuff. It's so expensive.
2: Yeah. But, yeah. But I, uh, from what I understand, Jersey did legalize. They did. Yep. They did. And that happened, I guess, in November, um and there's still no dispensaries yet, so I guess, which is kind of weird, like in Florida, the day it went medical, they were opening up like they were ready they they were willing to bet that it was going to happen so much that they were building the the dispensaries already before the law even passed. And I remember asking them even like I said, "Well, what if the law doesn't pass?" She said, "Oh, that's going to be quite a problem, <laughs> <laughs> you know." But uh, they was just were so sure of it, and and it did. The first time it didn't. The first time it was trying to pass, they needed sixty percent, which always kind of pisses me off about politics. What, what in what situation? Why would it be sixty percent? More people agree than less. Why would it ever be sixty? And and it especially pissed me off in that case because it came in at like fifty eight percent and then didn't pass. And then the next time it was like high sixties.
0: Well, at least you guys seem to have something good going there in Florida.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good things about Florida. Uh, Florida gets a bad rap because, you know, a lot of people have given them good reason to make, to give it a bad rap. Um, the numerous but it, Florida another,
0: man Florida, stories.
2: I live in, well, I live in what I think is the best part of Florida, which is the, the Tampa Bay area, Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete. Um, I think that's the best area. I think it's, the, the biggest mix of fun things to do, but not totally manic like Miami and not totally empty like the rest of the state. Um, my mother lived in St. Augustine for a while and I liked it up there too, but yeah, I, I just think the Bay area is uh, it's affordable. You get a lot for your money. You know, I lived in New Jersey, North Jersey. Um, the house that I bought in Florida, which is just like a small two bedroom house, uh, it would have been th- probably three times as much money in New Jersey. Like it was just so difficult to live there. Um, plus it's impossible to stay anywhere near fit with all the, the amazing bagels and pizza in New Jersey. So it's fun to visit, but uh, living there was not so great for me. I was, I was broken, overweight.
0: Uh, I got one final uh, child's play question for you. Uh, do you have a favorite kill in the series?
2: Do I have a favorite Chucky kill? Yeah. Yes, I do. Because um, I, I, you could be asking my favorite time that I killed Chucky too, which I, I, I guess I, I the first two films I only just set him up for death, and then I killed him later. Um, actually, the only doll that I finished off myself was in Cult, actually. But anyway, um, yeah, my favorite Chucky kill is Miss Kettlewell. Um, you know uh, uh, chucky beating a teacher to death with a ruler i mean I, it doesn't get much better than that you know i hated school <laughs> uh
0: so. D- drew's favorite was phil getting dropped on his neck uh mine yeah. actually was the same one as the air pump and the best part yeah. drew never noticed till i pointed out about how chucky used the force with the air to send her flying through the desk and i think yeah, it's yeah. just the best thing
2: Oh yeah, I, I love that one and I also love the long shot where you can still see the ruler coming down through yes. the window.
0: I think that whole uh, thing was the best scene the best scene from so child's too. play too
2: I think so too but but he's got a point on uh, the best the best one liner before a kill was probably Phils that how's it hanging Phil yeah I mean that's it's about as good as it gets too. Um, I also thought uh, killing Grace in cult was pre- pretty spectacular with the glass shattering. Um,
0: yes. I thought, that was a I good one. I thought
2: that was a really good one. I also think that there are some really great ones coming up for you. So
0: Well, we are definitely excited for the uh, series to come out. Awesome. And uh, uh, did you have any you other are- projects coming up?
2: Uh, no. I mean, I'm doing sound for a couple features. One called Sorority of the Damned. Um, and then I'm always working with different artists at my studio. My studio is uh, AV Productions in Clearwater, avproductionsonline.com. And, uh, yeah, I've worked with a lot of bands. We've, we've done some good work there. So uh, that's really how I spend most of my time, is at the studio working on audio in one form or another.
1: Uh, the, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Um, uh, definitely, you know, uh, we'll make sure that we post that on social media and stuff uh, and, you know, try to give that a little promotion and stuff. Um, I wanted to ask you something real quick before, uh, before John uh, wraps us up here. um, You know, I didn't want to interrupt you guys talking or, you know, John's questions, but when you were talking about uh, smoking versus drinking, here was a great example that I was going to bring up. When I get pissed off and I'm in a pissy mood, my wife will tell me, drew go fucking smoke. Who, when they're pissed off, who gets told, go drink.
2: Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Never. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, maybe people that haven't thought it through and they're like, oh, you should have a drink. But no, that's not, if you're already fired up, that's the last time to start drinking. Um, yeah. I mean, and really, in every way, it's like I just think the fact that we spent whatever 80 years with it being illegal and alcohol being legal is like the stupidest thing we have done as people that that. And the fact that public bathroom stalls don't go from the floor to the ceiling. (laughs) How ridiculous is that? We all want it the other way. Every human being wants it to be the other way. They spend millions of dollars on these big production for these buildings. And then they get to the most intimate room in the whole place. And like, ah, just, just a little half thing is fine. Leave a, leave a crack perfectly lined up with the toilet. You know, it's fine. Don't worry about it.
0: Uh, we want to thank you definitely again for joining us here today. And, uh, Can people find you online anywhere?
2: Sure. Um, Mostly I'm on Instagram now, honestly. My Facebook, I just kind of keep friends on there for the most part. Uh, And Twitter I use sometimes. um, In both Twitter and uh, Instagram, it's Alex underscore Vincent. I've been doing a lot of lives on my Instagram lately, mostly because I've had so much downtime up here. Uh, But, yeah, it's been fun. So Instagram is where I've got most of the good stuff great pictures and stuff.
0: And uh, again, thank you for joining us today. It was a real pleasure getting to talk to you. I remember the first time vividly that I watched Child's Play. I remember my dad fell asleep and it was when HBO used to show kids shows during the day and it said up next Child's Play. And I thought it was another kid's show. (laughs) Boy, boy, was I wrong. Like I can vividly remember just sitting on the bed at like four years old and just watching it
2: really yeah that's a lot of people got that got that experience by their parents thinking it was something else and putting it on for them and leaving the room you know
0: yeah i was terrified but i also didn't want to turn it off because i wanted to see what happened but i'm hiding under the blanket because i'm super scared
2: yeah but but now you're a lifelong horror fan so it all yeah. worked out you know and uh once again
0: uh th- thank you for being on today You uh, know. Maybe we'll talk to you after the uh, Chucky series comes out.
2: All right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Take care.
0: Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. And thank you to our friend till the end, Alex Vincent. I got to say, it's pretty cool. This is the first interview we've had with someone rolling up while they talk to us. And we 100% agree with Alex that the cannabis laws in this country need to change. And I have to say it's pretty sweet that when he was making Child's Play, he got to go on the set of Back to the Future 3 and chill in the DeLorean. It's gotta be pretty badass. Join us next week when we speak with Jason Brooks. Uh, He was Jason uh, from Friday the 13th Vengeance, and he's actually in the process of writing and directing the sequel. Uh, Don't forget to follow us online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HighOnHorror420. And you can reach us via email at HighOnHorror420 at gmail.com. That'll about wrap her up. Catch us later. Bye, guys.